It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grasso in New York, and I'm Greg Storr in Washington. Charlotte police officer Brentley Vinson will not face charges in the death of Keith Scott, who was shot on September 20th after he emerged from his SUV in a parking lot outside his apartment. The shooting of Scott, who is black, set off rioting and street demonstrations fueled by a video of the confrontation captured by Scott's wife. District Attorney Andrew Murray said yesterday that Scott had a gun in his hand and ignored at least 10 commands to drop the weapon. It is my opinion that Officer Vincent acted lawfully when he shot Mr. Scott. He acted lawfully. With us to talk about the prosecutor's decision is Cami Chavez, a former prosecutor herself, who is now a professor and director of the criminal justice program at Wake Forest University School of Law. Cami, thanks for joining us. Um, based on what you've seen and heard, did the prosecutor, did, uh, Mr. Murray, make the right decision? Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think that this is um, this is a very difficult uh, case, but you have had a two long two month long uh, investigation with uh, lots of of experts uh, looking at this, and uh, it appears if you if we look at the law regarding excessive uses of force, and that's a, a case called Graham versus Connor. Um, actually, uh, the facts of that case were actually in Charlotte um, as well, but. But uh, Graham versus Connor uh, tells us that, you know, if you have a suspect who um, uh, is armed or is approaching officers, there are a lot of different factors um, that you can take into account um, in order uh, that that officer would not be um, would not be deemed to, to have uh use excessive force, uh, I think that, that that's right. Um, but I think that there, this case underscores a lot of other issues that even though the officer's not going to be charged here, there's going to be quite a bit that the Charlotte Police Department uh, has to explain uh, to the residents and a lot of uh, healing that's going to have to happen there. Cami. Murray gave a detailed, incredibly detailed news conference, almost like a closing argument at a trial. Um, he had all kinds of, of evidence. And why did he feel the need to cover every base? Well, I think, and I think that he made this uh, clear um, in his in, in his comments that there was a, a lot of uh, statements or, or things in in the press or on social media um, that were taken as as, as facts um, that, uh, upon further scrutiny, um, uh, weren't were not uh, factual, perhaps. And um, some of this, um, you know, included. Uh, statements from various witnesses and then um, different um, uh, accounts that uh, had been changed. And so I think that um, it was his responsibility uh, to clarify uh, 
what the investigation uh, uncovered. And uh, I think that um, there, there, there were um, very uh, differing, uh, very many differing accounts. Um, and then you have the, the body camera uh, evidence, uh, which, again, when we think about things that we can learn um, from this case is that, you know, body camera evidence, dash cam evidence, is not going to be a panacea for uh, police reform. And, in fact, it can, in some instances, um, uh, confuse, uh, confuse things. Cammie, tell us what, what you saw as the, the key question or questions in the, the inquiry into whether there should be charges. Now, North Carolina, I gather, is an open carry state. So the fact that Mr. Scott had a gun with him, um, that, that by itself uh, isn't enough to constitute a, a threat to police. What was it that uh, District Attorney Murray had to decide in terms of whether or not there was an actual threat that warranted the force that was used? And I think that's a very important point. You know, I, when uh, when this incident first occurred, uh, there were many accounts saying, "Oh, well, the, you know, the, the suspect um, they found a gun uh, at the scene." And it is important to understand that in North Carolina, uh, being an open carry state, uh, officers um, and officers are trained uh, with how to deal with individuals uh, who may be armed. You, um, the the simple. Uh, fact that a, a weapon uh, is present uh, does not allow you to shoot uh, on site. What I think uh, would have been important to the inquiry here is that was uh, Scott holding a weapon um, or did he have very easy access uh, to uh, a weapon that could have endangered officers? And what we do know, and we do see this on the tape, is that uh, the officers uh, made multiple um, multiple commands for him uh, to drop uh, the weapon. And so if he did indeed have one and he was uh, told to, to drop the weapon and didn't do so, that, um, again, would would have, uh, I think, played uh, into the decision uh, that that force was uh, lawful. Cammy Murray said that Scott never raised the gun at the officers. Does that signal that there was time for de-escalation, other de-escalation tactics to have been used? There were four other officers, and they didn't feel the need to shoot. Yes, I think that that, that that and that's a question I think that many uh, residents, many community members uh, have, and really you know a question that we should uh, all be asking is are, are there ways that we can end these encounters uh, without the loss uh, of human life uh, however when we're when you're thinking about and, and now I'm talking strictly about uh, the law um, and again going back to those um, the, some of the factors identified in the Graham versus uh, Connor case, why were the officers at the scene? Uh, of the crime, uh, does the suspect have a weapon, and what is he doing with it? Um, uh, what we hear a lot of times is uh, from officers is that even if you you have a weapon um, and it's not raised at that moment, it could be at at any given moment, and that's a split-second decision that the officer has to make. Uh, the law is is pretty clear uh, on that, but I think that uh, we're in a situation in our country where we need to, we need for uh, maybe policy, the law to catch up with policy. There are lots of uh, jurisdictions or lots of police departments that have very detailed use of force continuums, um, although um, I uh, suspect that most uh, would have allowed a um, a, a, a shooting in this case. 
Cammy, you mentioned uh, the the misinformation or the apparent misinformation that was out there on social media uh, that the district attorney uh, took pains to refute yesterday. Uh, 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 his wife had said that he didn't own a gun. There was uh, some information that he had a book in his hand, which apparently was not true. Um, and, and, and this all led to a couple very difficult nights in Charlotte, rioting, and, and, and the governor had to declare a state of emergency. Um, what, what lessons do we take from that? Was that uh, did the community uh, overreact to this before they, they had the facts? Well, I think that, you know, in, in – any of these situations um, where no one is going to have all of the facts immediately after uh, something occurs. There's going to have to be a vigorous testing uh, in, in terms, you know, in an objective um, investigation. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Per, we don't know that. Um, we know that the witness said her father was reading a book. We don't know that she didn't think that that's what uh, he was doing and that's what, um, what she said. Um, but at the same um, at the same time, I think um, you know what what we see is a very uh, very deep seated uh, issues, deep seated anger and, and mistrust, uh, not just uh, within Charlotte, which actually is a department that I have to say uh, has made um, in in many years um, some some strides. Um, I, I feel that this case is is absolutely going to be a, a, a setback, but it has uh, really made some strides uh, in terms of uh, community policing. But uh, I think that in, in any event, we have to kind of take the temperature of you know of of, of what's happening. There's a um, when Michael Brown was um, was shot and killed by um, uh, Darren uh, Wilson in, in in Ferguson. I I said to folks, there's a Ferguson lurking in every community. So you know there's a Charlotte lurking in every uh, community. We we really have to make concrete steps towards uh, increasing uh, trust between uh, police departments and communities and having greater community engagement, greater efforts uh, to uh, engage uh, in uh, in de-escalation. And there's also the fact... Cammie, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much to our guest, Cammie Chavez, uh, professor and director of the criminal justice program at Wake Forest University School of Law. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to talk about that emoluments clause that you probably never heard of until Donald Trump became president. We're going to learn a little more about what it means. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.